Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast presented by Bet Online. Make sure to head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 and receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. You don't want to wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. So let's get right to it. Martinsville we're heading straight off Martinsville weekend we're going into the championship weekend the final weekend of the season there's so many so many different storylines that we're going to talk about and hit on this show but let's start off with the main thing the cup series Uh, we know who the final four is going to be it's going to be Denny Hamlin it's going to be Kyle Larson it's going to be Martin Truex Jr. and it's going to be Chase Elliott we saw a wild race at Martinsville a lot of things happen a lot of guys jumping up and below the cut what was your biggest surprise uh, from Martinsville maybe a guy who didn't advance or maybe a guy who did advance yeah, so look, Martinsville is interesting, right? Because it, that is uh, still one of the wild cards on the schedule <laughs> where we go there and there are so many kind of comers and goers over the course of a race. Uh, and then in the end, track position becomes such an important part of this. And then there's people that are really desperate. People are getting knocked out of the way. Um, thought Kyle Bush might have a shot. I did. I'm surprised not to see him uh, find a way to get through. Uh, but at the same time, when we look at that final four, I think we probably wound up with the people that we should have wound up with. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'd agree. I th- and I think that happens uh, most of these years. I feel like we, we, the road to get there is way different. But I feel like when we get to these final fours, it's like, you know what? This is probably the right uh, final four. Because I think I saw it. I think Jeff Gluck posted it on Twitter that the four in the final four right now have the four most laps led this season. Yeah, I feel like we have the four contenders. Um, now, you have to go into this realistically and say Kyle Larson has to be the overwhelming favorite, right? I mean, how how can he not possibly be here? And, and then I would probably put Chase Elliott second, um, ahead of both Truex and ahead of, uh, of Hamlin. And the reason why is just the speed from those Chevrolets and those Hendrick cars all year. They've proven it, right? Um, I understand the win count isn't there for Chase Elliott the same way that it is for for Kyle Larson, um, which is what I thought was so funny about that that comment from Hamlin after the race that like Alex Bowman's a hack and he gets outrun by his teammates. I was like, he's got four wins. (laughs) He's he must be doing something okay um, over the course of a year. I was like, I'm pretty sure Denny just has two. But now Denny would look at that and say, well, the Hendrick cars have been dominant and they have been. Uh, there, there's no denying that, that he is absolutely this year. It's hard for me to ever call Joe Gibbs racing an underdog coming from what I come from, but yes, the Hendrick cars definitely have shown more overall speed this year than the Gibbs cars. So you would have to put those two ahead of the other two. 
Yeah, and let's talk about Alex Bowman for a second because he was the winner of the race at Martinsville and had a run-in with Denny Hamlin, and we all know what happened after that. Um, but kind of bringing up the subject of non-playoff drivers, you know, um, we haven't really seen this in a while, like a non-playoff driver win, like the cutoff to the Final Four. Usually it's either a walk-off win or somebody that's already kind of established themselves already in the Final Four. But this time it was, it was Alex Bowman. I feel like we've seen that a lot more this year than we have in the past playoffs. We've seen Tyler Reddick up there, dicing it up for wins. William Byron, Kevin Harvick's been in the fray. And these, and this has really been when they all were eliminated from the playoffs. We've seen a lot of non-playoff drivers mixing it up. So do you think it's, it's just more aggression from these guys kind of trying to prove themselves or, you know, a lot of playoff drivers, maybe making mistakes going back in the field. What is it more of? I think it's depth of the field more than anything else. When you look at the cup series, um, when I look at the points breakdown, like over in my series, in the Xfinity series, I've scored almost 500 points now in 32 races, right? And realistically, that would put me, if this was the cup series standings, that would put me 28th in the standings, uh, about where Ryan Newman is right now in the six car. You would say they're probably having kind of a tough year, right? Okay. I think at times my team has shown flashes of brilliance this year, but for the most part, it's going to be, you know, up and down year. All right. I'm 20th in the standings. <laughs> I'm talking about like in the owner's standings, right? So like, let's play this out over the course of the year. I'm sitting there right around 20th in the owner standings. And I think that's proof of something, right? That on a given day in the cup series, there are a lot of cars that can have a top 10 type of run. Right. So when those people shuffle through up there at the front of the pack and they're having their day, um, they really want to capitalize on it. Right. Because you don't get those kind of opportunities as much. And right there, that kind of shows you the depth of the field in the Cup Series. That's a lot of people scoring stage points, a lot of different drivers scoring top tens, executing at the end of these races. Um, and when they have that opportunity, they're going to be aggressive. They don't really care that it's a playoff driver. Um, they're going to take their shot. And we're and a lot of people are trying to, although we have a new car coming for the Cup Series in 2022, a lot of guys are trying to build momentum. I mean, there's there's guys that kind of know what they're doing next year. We look at, you know, some of the drivers that finished up high at Martinsville, Eric Jones with an eighth place finish. He's been clocking off a lot of solid runs lately. Chris Busher had a top 10. Kurt Busch as well. Obviously, some extra motivation there trying to finish it off for Chip Ganassi, which they will have their last race this weekend. Um, but a lot of guy, Eric Amarola in sixth place as well. He was Obviously not afraid to, to rough it up uh, as well as he got into Martin Truex Jr. late in that race. But a lot of guys just probably trying to prove themselves and, and get momentum going into next season, I would think. A lot of guys racing for a lot of stuff. So we know here in the Cup Series that 25th place in the standings pays a big bonus, right? Like I think it's like a million dollars to the top 25 in the Cup Series standings. Um, you know, and that's with if you have a charter or you don't have a charter, it doesn't matter. If you're top 25, you get the money. And so it's a million bucks. Think about the guys that you're naming here. <laughs> you're naming some guys that are right there around that 25th place to kind of low 20s kind of range in the standings. And every point matters right now. I mean, we're let's talk all the way back to the Rick Ware cars. We know that that 15 car uh, in the charter thing has to finish above the other ones. It cannot finish in the bottom three or it would have done that for three straight years. It could be taken away by NASCAR. So everybody in the field is racing for something around this time of year. Uh, it's like that in Xfinity. It's like that in trucks. All of the points positions roll over into Daytona 
and potentially you getting a provisional for Daytona if the field shows up and is really deep. So there's a lot going on here. Now in the Cup Series, and, and the way that this has been framed by the media, he's like, well, you got non-playoff drivers, racing playoff drivers, really tough. It's like, what are you talking about, man? They're they're racing for other stuff. Like, I understand that there's still a championship to decide. You don't want to be the story, right? You don't want to be the person that wrecks a championship favorite or blocks them or whatever it is. You don't want to be that. At the same time, you have a job to do for the team that you're on to go out there and race really hard. Now, the thing is, you're probably in a points position, you're racing around people that you've probably raced around all year. That's why you're, you're close to them in the points. You probably race around every week. So if that's up in the top 20, the top 25, whatever it is, those guys are going to be racing really hard at Phoenix. It's their last shot. I'm sure if you went through the points right now, RJ, you probably look at some gaps there in the points that are honestly pretty tight. And my understanding of it is basically every spot in those points is roughly about $100,000 extra there at the end of the year. And it could be up a little bit more than that, right? So I don't know exactly the cup payout. I got a pretty decent idea. So it starts getting pretty pricey. So as we go into Phoenix, those people that are trying to lap cars, like, oh, they go, oh, the leader's coming. You got to just let him go by. The hell no, like we're racing for a lot. And if I can stay on the lead lap or block somebody else from getting the lucky dog, I'm going to probably do it because that could change our points position. That could change our payout at the end of the year. And you know, who's really stoked at a driver fighting for extra money at the end of the year An owner <laughs> An owner loves that. So the owner sits there and goes, all right, so this guy is really laying it on the line for us when we have to have it and he gets it done. All right. Well, now renegotiation becomes a little bit easier. Also, you get some of these drivers that are tied to bonuses in their contracts here at the end of the year for certain points positions. So everybody is racing for something, RJ, as we head into Phoenix. Exactly. And, and it could be a result of the system. I mean, it's not, you know, everyone isn't just going to lay back as soon as when these playoffs start, you know, all 16 drivers, if you're not the 16 drivers, you're not just going to stop trying. Everybody's racing for something. That 43 car has racked off a lot of great finishes and put themselves yeah. in the top 25 and owners points. And I think they're probably going to stick there after Phoenix, unless they have a terrible day, but they're 24th in the owners porch. Not right now, the 20 point gap uh, to the 41 below them in 26th and then i you know what what you were mentioning like at phoenix everybody is racing hard i it takes me back to last year the truck series championship race where we all thought brett moffitt was winning the championship he was scooting away he was gone probably gonna finish it off and there was a wreck between two trucks racing hard for 20th place but they were racing for something they were racing for something and that's just a product of what's probably gonna happen we could see it this weekend you can have your hopes ruins by <laughs> what someone else is doing but everyone is racing hard for something and we saw it at martinsville too there were cautions for people racing very hard whether it was for the lead whether it was for fifth place and whether it was for 20th right and like a perfect example of this uh blaine perkins is driving the 23 car for our motorsports this weekend i think it's only about a three or four point gap between I me and him it might be eight points or something like that it's pretty close uh, between us and the 23 car. Well, that's obviously somebody that I'm going to be racing really hard, right? I mean, I, now just passing them doesn't advance me, right? That's one point. But 
is that somebody that I'm going to be racing pretty hard over the course of the day? And, and probably the same way towards me, same thing with Alex LeBay, who I think is like 12 points ahead of us or 14 or so. It, it's, it's within 15 points. All right. Me passing them doesn't change our points position, but is that somebody I'm going to race really hard? And if the leaders are coming by here and, and it's me and Alex racing for the lucky dog or the final spot. Yeah. That's going to be a really, really hard race. And the leaders might get frustrated or at the end of the race where it's to get the lucky dog and, and you don't know, could there be another caution? And you wind up kind of being the cause of the caution because you're racing so hard. So yeah, those kind of battles break out over the course of the field because everybody kind of knows what's on the line. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. The top 20 owner battle uh, for the Xfinity series. We have the 36 of Alex LeBay, the DGM racing car in 20th. They're three points above the 23 of uh, our motorsports car, which will be Blaine Perkins this week. Uh, they sit in 21st. And then the 44 uh, Martin's motorsports car, Tommy Joe Martins is 11 points back from 36. So it's a, it's a tight battle all within just 11 points of each other. The, the 26 Sam Hunt car is about, 20, 30 points back, they'd have you guys all would have to like explode and have a giant crash for them to have a shot, but they are there. Um, but it's really that 11 point gap that's separating the 44, 23, and the 36. And we're talking about Blaine Perkins, who relatively has come into this year without any experience, but this is going to be the first time that he's going to be heading to a track for the second time as he raced the Phoenix race in the spring. Alex LeBay, I believe, was caught up in accident in that race, and you, I believe, finished 17th. So there will probably be some things, I'm sure, to take from that first race, but it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Sure. I mean, I was texting with Alex just a, a few minutes before we started doing this podcast, and he and I were kind of laughing about it. He was like, yeah, we sucked <laughs> in the spring. And I was like, well, that's good for us. <laughs> I need you to go out there and stake. Uh, and I was kind of giving him a hard time about it. But Blaine did a terrific job at Talladega earlier this year. Won a stage uh, there at Talladega and then our motorsports car, and they do a great job. So that's not a car that I look at with Blaine driving it and go, oh, man, I'm going to smoke him. Not nah, Look, he, he's done a good job. He has gotten better over the course of the year, and that's a really good car. So I expect him to go out there and be really tough to beat. Um, it's going to be hard to pass anybody, right? I mean, here's the thing. 11 points. You go, oh, 11 points. It's not that big of a deal. You finish 15th, he finishes 26th. Yeah, sure. But the reason that you're only 11 points separated over the course of 32 races is because chances are you are finishing pretty close to each other most of the time. <laughs> so it's going to be tough to gain or beat somebody by 11, 12, 15 points. That's tough. It basically involves maybe a little strategy with some stage points, which I'm sure they'll both be extremely aggressive about trying to go for, just like we will. Um, and you got to weigh that against how it's going to affect your track position potentially for the next run if you try to make a run at it. So there's a lot going on there. I think I'm in kind of both battles, really, RJ, because I'm also sitting there in 20th in the driver points. Alex is whatever, 12 or 14 points ahead of me. And then you have Brett Moffat that's about 18 points behind me. You're fighting both our motorsports cars this weekend, aren't you? Yeah, so it's it's a no holds barred uh, here going into, into Phoenix, and, and nothing is safe, right? I mean, we could finish as high as 19th um, in the driver's points, and, and I could finish as low as 22nd in the driver's points uh, with Alex uh, and, and also Landon Castle lurking right there behind uh, Brett Moffat. So I think everybody's kind of aware of who you're racing. When you go into scenarios like this, you know, like, it's not like you show up and Brett Moffat isn't just showing up and going, Oh, let's go have fun today. No, he's, 
he knows who he's racing. He, he knows he's racing me for the money. The team has definitely told him that. Um, and he knows he's got to go out there and get every point that he can get. So he's going to be really aggressive in, in, uh, in those kind of moments. Yeah. So the battle on top of the battle is the Xfinity series final four, which we know now is number one, Noah Gregson walked it off at Martinsville, Austin Sindrick, AJ Allmendinger. We knew they would be contenders and Daniel Hemrick has kind of slid his way in there uh, as well. Kind of the same way he did before in that 21 car, obviously no wins this season, but it has been very consistent and has obviously found a way to put himself in the final four. So I think it's a very solid group right there. Austin Sindrick, uh, defending winner at Phoenix. We've seen how, you know, each of the other teams around him, like Allmendinger, Hemrick Gregson has progressed themselves, um, you know, as the year has gone on, but you still think going into this weekend, the favorites, Austin Cindric? Absolutely. I think he still has to be. And, and really credit to Austin Cindric here for the Martinsville thing, racing a guy cleanly at the yeah. end of a Martinsville race. Guess what? It can be done. Everybody. Oh, yeah. It's possible. Him. You know, he could have <laughs> absolutely run him straight up the track, drilled him, bumped him out of the way eliminated him from the whole season. That's all he had to do is just move him. Didn't do it. Raced him clean. Um, even on the restart, Noah pinning him down as hard as he could. And of course he had to, right? I mean, Noah's got his whole season on the line. All credit to Noah Braxton for just a fantastic restart. Um, and, and we talked about this a little bit as uh, team members going into these things. If the person running second chooses to line up on the inside second row, instead of taking the outside, you know, they're going to race you dirty. You just already know if they're lining up behind you, you already know you're getting shoved all the way through the corner. Uh, when you go into turn one, so props to Noah Braxton jumping up there on the top. And he said, winners take the top lane, uh, winners take the front row. Um, I laughed at that. I thought, you know what, dude, all credit to you. I mean, you, you just got to give them all the props for, for going out there and getting it done in an absolute must-have it moment, executed on that restart, was able to then take control of the final restart there on the inside and then hold off uh, for the win, which same thing. Guys race each other pretty clean, could have gone really dirty, didn't. And, and I think that's credit to Austin Cendrick, right? <laughs> Austin Cendrick in that moment didn't have to have it, right? He was already in. He's racing for a win. I'm not acting like he's not out there trying to get a win. But there's a level of desperation that the nine car had versus what the 22 car had. Yeah. Now we're going into a scenario here, and this is the question that you had to ask here. Who do you want to race in a desperation situation? Is it Noah Gragson? I mean, he's known for being extremely aggressive, and now you've cracked the door open for him to be able to do that at Phoenix with a title on the line, right? Now, look, you got to beat everybody to be the champion out here. So I'm sure, you know, the answer in any of this would just be, well, we got to race everybody anyway, right? Who would you rather race? Would you rather race Noah Gregson? Would you rather race Justin Allgaier? Allgaier is kind of the one that gets bumped out there in that deal with his teammate winning. You know, I'm sure all those playoff guys have a ton of respect for each other. I'm sure they would all say they got to race everybody anyway. Right. Yeah. But we just know Noah has a history of really laying it on the line. And as it often does in these moments at the end of the year, probably going to come down to a restart, probably going to come down to a final move. That's going to happen on a restart inside of 10 laps to go. It just generally falls that way. 
And if you give a guy that's really, really aggressive a shot at it, we'll see how that's going to play out. Look, it's going to be really exciting for the fans. I, I hope I have a really close upfront view of it. <laughs> and we're running up there in the top 15. I hope we're, uh, we're really involved <laughs> in the last restart uh, with a lot on the line for us. But I thought about that in the moment. I couldn't help myself. was like, all right, the 22 has a chance here. This is a lot like, a, uh, like an NFL team on week 17, if they've already clinched their division, they've already clinched a first round by, and now they're playing a team that's fighting for their playoffs. Well, what do you do there? Do you, do you rest all of your starters or do you go out there and play it straight up and try to knock them out of the playoffs? Well, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, but you don't have anything to gain. Go ahead and rest your starters. Yeah. But what if that's the team you got to play? And that's what I think about in that kind of moment there with the 22 car. Now, that's just not Austin-centric. He's not going to race you dirty. I, I just have so much credit for him at all. He's not going to go do anything intentionally to bump somebody out of the way. But that was on the table there on those last couple of restarts there at Martinsville. He could have sent the nine car, eliminated him from playoff contention, and that would have been the end of it. And he didn't. And now Noah Gragson executed, did everything he had to do, ballsy restart on the outside, took the lead, held him off, got it done, all credit to him. He lives to fight another day and have a chance at the championship. When If we talked about this two months ago, would any of us have picked Noah Graxon to make the Final Four? I don't think any of us did. And he has gotten hot at the right time and has put himself in the mix and absolutely has to be considered as – a threat to win this thing. He absolutely could win this thing. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, when you, when you take into this uh, consideration, what could happen on a green, white checkered restart uh, at Phoenix with the new turn one, we saw, I mean, we saw it um, in the spring. We saw the chaos that ensued. They were five wide. He had the 10 car flying in there. Bailey Curry finished seventh. We had him on the show after that wild finish. Got to talk about that. It could totally happen again. And I know one series that, you know, if we were to bet on which series is going to have a green, white checkered this uh, this weekend, it's going to be the truck series because uh, that just seems like what happens over there in the Camper World Truck Series. And we can talk about that uh, here for a second. Their final four. Zane Smith walked it off. He'll be in the final four along with Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, two Thor sport trucks and John Hunter Nemechek, who we all thought was like a guarantee until he ended up in the fence middle of the race. And then we were like, Whoa, Oh, something's going on here. And Sheldon Creed misses the playoffs. We thought he was one of the favorites. Um, so craziness happened in Martinsville in the truck series, but craziness has been kind of the theme of the truck series this year. And now we're going to go crown a champion at Phoenix. And I know there was a lot of talk about, you know, whether it's lack of respect or drivers or, you know, there was towards the middle of the season, it was, you know, debating on tracks. Like when we went to Knoxville, like, you know, should we be on this track or is it more the drivers or is it the track or is it both? Uh, there's been a lot of storylines in the truck series this year, but it's been a lot of chaos and a lot of wreck trucks. I feel like, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll probably see that commence at Phoenix, but I don't know how much you've been able to watch or, or kind of keep track of the truck series. What have you noticed kind of from the series? all year? Yeah. So watching that Martinsville race, it, it turned into what we knew it was going to be right. So here comes a non-sexy answer. I wish, I wish I could give you the, uh, the audio clip that could get me in trouble here, but I, but I can't because I, unfortunately I think this is just an accumulation of a few different things. Number one, you have kind of a goofy point system 
All right. You have a point system that resets the field often and gives everybody a shot to advance here in these moments like this. Right. So yeah, you got to execute, but it, but it keeps teams in the game by kind of resetting every round and you know, you got a shot over the course of three races. Right. So you go into Martinsville with a lot of people in the truck series that were in the hunt, right? Not just win and in, right? The win and in is actually kind of easy. You know that what they got to do. The people that feel like they got to point their way in, those are the ones you got to watch out for. And there were several of them in the truck series that felt like they could point their way in, right? You had John Hunter Nemechek get wrecked. So now everybody's thinking, hey, can we jump John Hunter? I can kind of lock my way in. All right, so you got that going on too. It's a Martinsville race in the trucks. The skill level of the drivers in the truck series, you're generally going to have younger drivers, especially at Martinsville. That's kind of like in the NASCAR approval licensing process, one of the first steps that you'll take on a shorter track to try to get approved for bigger tracks. So you're going to have some inexperience there. Um, Overall aggressiveness by younger kids in that series. And we've heard Haley Deegan talk about it. We've heard uh, Matt Crafton talk about it. We've heard uh, Parker Clearman talk about it. We've, we, we've heard it oh, time and time again. The aggression level down there is just on another level. And, yeah, is it a little bit of lack of respect? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a lack of respect. I think it's also probably a lack of understanding from drivers that find themselves in a really envious position driving for quality teams with a lot of pressure that, hey, this is a good truck and you're running 18th and you got to go get it done, right? And it's just time and time and time again. And now they feel like they got to make something happen and they're going to race each other really hard. So it's a few different things kind of all sprinkled in together. And then at Martinsville there with 50 to go, I'm pretty sure the longest green flag run was about four laps. I mean, it was really, and I've taken part in these, these races in the truck series. It's embarrassing. I mean, that is flat out embarrassing for everybody in NASCAR that we can't make it four laps as a professional level series. And it's why other disciplines and and dirt racers and people that do this at a high level at lower, you know, in, in other areas of racing here in America, we'll look at the truck series and we'll look at NASCAR occasionally and make fun of us is because of that, because of that kind of stuff. So I'm chastising everybody here <laughs> in the truck series, like, give me a break. You guys can't make five laps without wrecking each other. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's just really, really bad. Yeah. Now yeah. let's shift our focus a little bit further. Let's go to the restarts there at the end of the, at the race. Is anybody surprised that that's how it went? With everything on the line, with Stuart Friesen having, like, basically having to win to get in and Zane having to win to get in and everything that was on the line for the first few rows of, of trucks and Sheldon Creed back there having to try to point his way in and bang his way through everybody. There was a lot going on. It's not surprising that we had a few different restarts. And it's not surprising the way that Zane and everybody was racing each other there at the end of the race, banging into each other, knocking each other out of the way. I think all of that was to be expected in that moment, right? You had multiple drivers up there in the front that felt like they had to win to get in, and you're going to see something like that. So in that moment, RJ, I actually don't I don't blame the drivers. Yeah. I blame 
the points system. I blame this thing that we have created here that really leads to racing moves that that tear up a lot of stuff, right? It just leads to this kind of calamity. And we can say it's entertaining, right? I mean, that's there's two different ways to look at this. I'm sure TV would say this is entertaining. In the moment, is it thrilling and exciting? Sure. And at the same time, if your product is, you know, it's all caution laps and restarts for the last 20 laps of a race, I don't think that's very good for the product, right? That, that's basically like saying <laughs> the last, you know, the last 10 pitches of a baseball game, we're going to go out there and have a, a mound visit every pitch. And it's like, yeah, but it's really building up the tension. Yeah, but it's actually kind of hurting the pace of the play and it's not really good. So I, I think we could probably have that argument back and forth. NASCAR would say that's exciting. It is. I think traditional race fans look at this and just say, this is a shit show. As a racer, as a competitor, I'm definitely going to land on that side and go, look, we got to do a better job. But but am I going to look at Stuart Friesen, Zane Smith, anybody up there in the front negatively for doing what they had to do in that moment? No, not, not at all, because it's a championship on the line for those guys, and they're going to go for it. And if they got to bump you out of the way, they got to do it, right? And I think everybody... You didn't see anybody on the front row getting out of the car complaining about that at the end of the race. Where you got guys complaining was in the middle of the race, how they were getting raced by other people that really weren't a factor. And that was kind of that level of non-respect that I think everybody's talking about. Part of me thinks that's a little bit of Martinsville. Part of me thinks, yeah, a little bit of different motives in the series. Yeah, I I think... You know, even just outside of that, I still think there's some work to be done with the truck series as far as as next year, maybe doing some different things as far. I mean, presentation as well, drivers, um, races, how the races are, you know, processed. I know Sheldon Creed was one guy that said he is so excited to get to the Xfinity. He's so excited. He's starting early this weekend driving for PJ <laughs> McLeod, but he Here said he was so excited to get like he's he, he literally said he's not going to miss the truck series and he's excited to get to the Xfinity series and drive a car with some power, which we know uh, the Xfinity cars do have some power in it. So, yeah, he's starting early this weekend driving for uh, BJ McLeod in the 78. Uh, so that's cool to see, but a lot of, a lot of cool things we can kind of transition to next year. It's Xfinity series. I thought what was really cool was today's announcement. This is something we've talked about before, and I don't know how much this relates to that, but drivers that have the funding and go to maybe a mid-ish higher mid-level team, uh, yeah, have an opportunity to showcase their talents. And yeah. one move that I saw today Mike Snyder's going to drive full-time for Jordan Anderson racing in 2022. I absolutely love that move for everybody. Yeah. I think it's a great fed. Uh, I think Myatt's a pretty good driver. I think Myatt um, has now done the big team, small team thing. He ran for Ryan Sieg. He, he's run for RCR. He's run for Thor sport. And now he's going to an affiliate and it's clearly somebody, it, it's somebody that likes RCR. Jordan has now got an affiliation with RCR kind of staying under that RCR umbrella and staying with Chevrolet where he's developed a a good, uh, you know, reputation there and good connections with Chevrolet. So he kind of gets to stay in that camp and be in a car that at times this year has shown a lot of speed has been really competitive. I mean, you look at where they're at in the standings now, and this is a team that was locked out of races for a big chunk of the year there. So I think it's a fantastic job. They've done building that program up. 
I know they've really leaned on RCR and leaned on uh, kind of those affiliations to help build that program up a little bit faster, a la what the 48 car has done and Big Machine Racing. They put together another really nice program over there. Um, and I think Jordan has kind of built the infrastructure with good people, good cars, good equipment. And now he's going to get a good driver that's going to be committed for an entire season. So there's going to be some continuity. They, they ran a lot of drivers through that 31 car yeah. this year. Next year, we know that's going to be my at all year. I, I, I see them as one of those teams at that B level that is now, it's getting to be a really crowded level. And, and my question in all of this becomes, what happens to Jordan Anderson? Because when this team was initially created, it was like Jordan Anderson is going to run the Xfinity Series full time. And then it turned into, you know what? They're getting Tyler Reddick in here. They're trying to evaluate their program. They're bringing in other drivers. Kaz Grala drove for them. Josh Berry drove for them. You know, it was kind of that team Chevy. It kind of turned into a team Chevy car, really. Uh, almost like a little bit of a test car for team Chevy. Um, and that's credit to them because they've done a great job with the program, right? I mean, you, <laughs> they're not doing that with somebody that stinks. They're doing that with somebody that's got good cars, got good stuff, got good people. Um, but now what does Jordan do? Does Jordan go back to trucks? Does Jordan start a second team there at that B level um, and run alongside it and kind of use that as a rotation as well? Sage Karam drove for this team. Is Sage trying to run more Xfinity races next year? What does that look like? Uh, so, I think there's some options on the table for Jordan. And I'm just interested to see which one he is, which one he's going to do. I think Jordan's a good driver. I think he's, you know, a guy that I share a lot of similarities with as a kind of a driver owner uh, doing this stuff. And, and I've raced against him now for a really long time. I've got a lot of respect for him. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do and where he is going to land as, as a driver, or is he going to do a Tommy Joe Martins and go, look, <laughs> the best thing, for, for the business here is that I take a little bit of a step back and, and wear that manager cap a little bit more. Yeah, it was cool to see. Didn't he step back definitely into more of an ownership role, seeing all these different drivers in his car, and he did get to drive it at times. It was pretty cool to see, obviously, then to get in the fifth place. Yeah, ran well, ran yeah. well. That ran top 15 at, at Michigan, and uh, I think he had another top 20 there at, at Kansas when he got in the car there. So has has run well in kind of limited starts. Yeah, and I could see that definitely maybe them whipping out a second car, whether it was just part time uh, on occasions uh, to do that, because uh, I know there's another team in that area that's going to whip out a second car for a few races, and uh, that was for Andy Lally for Alpha Prime Racing. So it's going to be fun to see next year how that all come about for you. Yeah, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what our schedule is going to look like yeah. at Alpha Prime Racing with the 44 car and and potentially a second car as well. I mean, look, I don't see the second car being a, a big thing. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen a few times over the course of the year. It's going to happen occasionally over the course of the year. It's not going to be a, a major thing where we're trying to run to full-time. Uh, we're taking baby steps here. And, and I think we've established a pretty good program. Um, and now as we're looking at the field, getting deeper, rather than trying to expand it's like, you know what, how about we focus inward here and just make sure that we're good and solid and, that drivers that we're putting in the car every week, we have faith to go get it done for us and get good finishes. And I think that's where it all started with Andy Lally. Um, we know he's one of the best in the world in a stock car on a road course. Um, no doubt he is cup level, top shelf stock car driver on a road course. 
And now I don't care if it's rain. I don't care if it's shine. I don't care if there's a whoop section down the backstretch, um, which we have encountered all three this year. Um, I think I have got the guy uh, to go out there and get it done for Alpha Prime Racing when it comes to uh, driving a road course car for us. Yeah, God, you mentioned the field getting deeper. I mean, it is getting deeper and deeper, and it seems by the day. Um, and we, you know, Ryan C. About- Racing announcing yeah. that they are doing a partnership next year with uh, Stuart Haas Racing and trying to run a second car. Now, is that a full-time second car? Yeah. Is yeah, that absolutely. a part-time second car? What we know, at least this is me now projecting, Kyle Sieg has run ARCA races this year probably going up to Xfinity to run some races there, maybe the full ARCA slate with some Xfinity races kind of sprinkled in. Okay, that would make sense. Probably going to do the Jason White thing. So Jason White has driven really what was a Ryan Seed car, but they ran the 66 number on it um, in kind of a partnership with Carl Long. But, but really, that was a Ryan Seed racing car. And I'm sure that that Jason White A-game, I think it's A-game, uh, sponsorship, probably coming back for those Speedway events next year, I would assume. Yeah. So they're thinking to themselves, all right, we kind of got our Speedway program locked in. We probably got some other races for for uh, for Kyle Sieg um, kind of locked in. All right. They're probably looking for somebody to kind of fill in the rest of those races for them. And there's a lot of drivers right now that are kind of shopping around. So I'm not saying that couldn't be a full-time car, but to me, in these announcements, RJ, I always look at what isn't said. Yeah. <laughs> I very often look for what's not being said. And in that one, they didn't commit that it was like a full-time, they're doing it every race. They're just like, we're, yeah, it's full-time. All right, well, who are the drivers? So there's no, you didn't say the other drivers. So I don't know if it's full if it is full-time, well, then who's driving it? Or are you using the release to try to generate some pub for it. And this is not me knocking them. I mean, trust me, I get the game here. I just, I'm not willing to commit that the 38 is going to be a full-time effort next year. I'm sure they're going to run two at Daytona, one of the best paying race, the best paying race on the schedule. You're going to see potentially 50 something cars down there for that thing, trying to qualify in. So that wouldn't surprise me. Oh yeah. But now moving forward from there, you know, it's really just a debate of what's the worth of this uh, each and every week. Yeah, uh, that'll be really fun to see. We know that a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams expanding. There's probably some new teams that'll come along as well. Some teams running another car for a few races out of the schedule. I really love what just the team, you know, you mentioned the Ford camp getting a little bit deeper over there as well. Uh, we talked about the Chevy camp getting deeper with uh, big machine racing, obviously stepping up their game with RCR Jordan Anderson racing already had alliance with RCR and RCR itself planning to go to two cars. We already knew Sheldon Creed was going to be there, which obviously we think is a great pickup truck series champion. And then they get Austin Hill, which I think both of them together, Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed, we've seen whatever, you know, what raw talent they've shown in the truck series. I think that's going to be a really great combo and just really 
big things going on kind of in that area, the Chevy camp. I, I love the Myatt Snyder move. I love what big machine racing's uh, doing. Obviously we love what Alpha Prime Racing's doing. We love the the RCR duo here, and I'm sure there's going to be more stuff from teams like Colleg Racing as well, more teams around the B area and the Xfinity series. It's could get wild, more wild next year than it was this year. Well, you look at the, the field depth, right? Uh, we talked about at the front of the field, there being about 14 kind of cup level teams. What does that look like next year? What happens to the Penske 22? Uh, we, yeah. We've heard that colleague says they're running three cars. Who's the third driver? Who's that going to be? Is that going to be kind of an all-star car? Are, are they going to kind of rotate that? Or are they going to just try to stick with one driver? What does that look like? Uh, we know that Gibbs is, is probably going down to three cars, right? Uh, what does that really look like? It's probably Ty Gibbs. It's probably Brandon Jones. That third car would kind of become the, the rotation car yeah. uh, for Gibbs where they're bringing people in and out. Um, so at the front of the field, is that going to shrink by a couple of cars or is it going to stay about the same? What does that look like? And then as we're talking about here, RJ, that B group in the Xfinity series that group clearly seems like it is growing. Yeah. Our motorsports, are they going to expand or are they staying with two? Uh, Jordan Anderson, potentially, are they going to two? Sam Hunt Racing, are they potentially going to two cars? Uh, as I've heard kind of rumors of this. So I think that B group in the middle of the field, um, which initially I think we, we listed as about, it was about 12 or 14 cars. I think that's going to grow. Yeah. I think that's definitely going to grow. And now you're going to be looking at a B-level car that is as an affiliation, that, that is aligned with a manufacturer, that is aligned with a cup team, and they might not be in the top 30 of the owner's points. And that is a really, really tough, deep field. And that would probably lead to more stuff like we're seeing in the cup level there um, RJ, where those A and B teams are the ones that are kind of scoring all the points and you see a bigger distribution of points throughout those top 25, 30 drivers. And, and it seems like we're going to have a lot of drivers that are kind of committing to running the full season next year with those A and B teams. You could see 25, 26 uh, deep with drivers running the full schedule. Like right now, if you look at the Xfinity series standings, once it gets past uh, about 25th, that's kind of broken up. A lot of people that are running just kind of partial schedules. Next year, that might be 30-something deep of people trying to run all the races. Mm -hmm. So the standings might mirror the Cup Series quite a bit more. Yeah, and you even look past that and see what teams like SS Greenlight will do. SS Greenlight, Rick Ware, what will their Xfinity program? We know JD Motorsports right. is going to be there. What will you know BJ McLeod Motorsports? Will they have more races like where they put in a SHR Ford guy? You know, do they have more races like that in the Xfinity series? Uh, I even look at you know Hattori Racing Enterprises. Do they step up? You know their Xfinity Series program, kind of with their deal with with MBM Carl Long. We know they're looking for a Truck Series driver. I believe they found one. Uh, will they step up in the Xfinity Series? Who knows? Lots of lots of unknowns. And then you had kind of some of the teams that were expecting to run this year, like Bassett Racing, didn't get to run. They like they planned to run. They wanted to run the whole season. We know what happened at Daytona, which, oh, my God, now that I think that would suck. We go to Daytona this year, like and it rains again. 40, 50-something <laughs> yeah. cars, and we're like, oh, well, cars like, and it rains again. 10 of you got to go home. Sorry. That yeah, would, that'd, that'd be, be tough. tough. 
And, and look, and another rumor here, RJ, and this is complete rumor mill, and, and this is a person that's on the inside as much as I can be, and I still don't know if this is true or not. There has been talk about expanding the field in the Xfinity Series next year. So we have started 40 quite a bit this year because we've had a locked-in field, right? Yeah. But this weekend, Phoenix, we're only starting 36. I mean, the rule book says we're going to start 36 every time there's qualifying. But – there is talk next year of that bumping up to 38 or 40 cars. And I don't know if that's going to shake out. Obviously I would be pro starting more cars. Um, Look, it's a better show for the fans. It's more opportunities for drivers. It's better for the smaller teams uh, knowing that you can have a a spot in the field. So if that costs every team 500 bucks a race, the, the level of security that it also gives to teams I think is is better overall. So, like, I'm obviously voting for more cars to be in the race if that comes up uh, in any of these competition meetings. But, but I have heard that there are talks of that, and also talks of uh, what we're going to do in in potentially practice and qualifying next year, where you're going to see that quite a bit more. So, it's going to create opportunities for teams, even if they don't have a locked in number, to still be able to go race their way or qualify their way uh, into events. So, I think that's going to open yeah. back up quite a bit more. Yeah, we're talking about a series here, the Xfinity series that can run 40 deep. I mean, we've talked about this uh, in so many episodes that, I mean, it should. 40th, yeah, 40th place car starting on the grid or an owner's points could have a chance at a top 25 finish, top 20 finish. It's different, you know, than the Cup series where we talk about that gap between the B and, you know, below that, yeah. the C in the Xfinity series. It is a dogfight. I mean, those guys are fighting for everything and there could be a team that ran 37th the last week that could somehow be running up in the top 20 the next week. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Look at what Bailey Curry did when the, in the 15 car there for JD motorsports with a couple of top 15 runs um, to kind of get themselves back out of that top 36. So, I mean, you look at teams that are even way down there. um, I mean, Kyle Weatherman and and Mike Harmon racing and what they've done this year. Uh, Yeah. Down in the points, but Got on a roll, found some speed, ran good at Kansas, have run good at, at several of these races here down the stretch. So you look at all that and the depth of the field and just know that it's going to get even deeper <laughs> next year. It's going to be even harder to make these races. And I think smaller team owners are looking at this, and there's a strategy to it, right, where you go, all right, these are my resources. This is what I can afford. What is the best allocation of this? Do I – Trim a team down. If you're Johnny Davis, do you still run four teams next year? If you know the field's going to be this deep, or do you go, hey, I might only run two and try to make those cars better and and give myself a better uh, competition level? All right. Same thing with Carl Long. With BJ McLeod, what does it look like? Does it more partnerships? So I think a lot of this is going to shift over the course of the next couple of months as we find out where some of those kind of mid-level drivers are going to land here in the off season as we start making announcements. Yeah. And that could be cool to see. I mean, teams like that, maybe that are running like three or four cars down in the back and they see the expansion of all these teams up in the A and B and are kind of like, you know, maybe if we subtracted down a few and kind of, you know, focused on that, maybe that could be better. It could be really interesting to see how that goes. I mean, we're looking at an owner standings where the 13 car, which has been bumped out of the last, you know, however many races like by points, 
was has been running up in like the top. I mean, you know, most notably at Homestead when David Starch drove the car up in the top 10 um, as as run like 74 cars, 40th. He's they have a top 10 this year with uh, Bailey Curry at Phoenix. The 52 is 39th. They've ran well and occasionally I think the 66 has like multiple top 15s and they're 38th in the owner standings like it's. And it's so weird how any of these teams can have like a, a good day on any given day. So I'm sure that'll just get even more competitive next year. And we got a lot of stuff going on next year, next gen car Xfinity series boosting up. And then there's the truck series. We'll see, we'll see what happens with the truck series, but. Right. And that schedule, which is going to be brutal for the truck series next year. So this year, if you look at the truck series schedule, and this is something I haven't heard anybody talk about those truck series teams, a lot of them are small teams. Now there are some really well-funded teams as well. I think it goes about 20 or 25 deep, but you're still looking at about half this, the trucks (laughs) teams are pretty small. There's a stretch in the truck series next year. Nine races in a row, including a race like out in Sonoma. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. And you're doing this for the lowest pay of the top three series to the teams. And that is compared to this year where the longest stretch of races they had all year, I think, was four races in a row. It was either three or four without a without a break week. In between. So when it comes to the workload on those teams, when you do nine races in a row, you better have some people in the shop. Like I know Timmy Hill right now runs his program. It's just him and like maybe one or two other people. Well, next year, what does that look like? Do they have to up it kind of during that stretch of races? Uh, and that's more cost to them. So I'm interested to kind of see how that all shakes out. A lot of the schedule dictated by both television and NASCAR decisions on where they feel like these races ought to go. Um, we've got some shakeup in our schedule too, running out there in Portland. Um, so there's a few decisions getting made there. Um, but as you know, RJ, on this podcast, we are big on kind of telling the stories of, of the depth of the field in these other series. And, and a lot of this is going to be dictated by where these drivers land in the coming weeks. I mean, you've heard, again, what, what are the announcements that have not been made yet? What, who has not said anything yet? <laughs> now, we're lucky enough, we got me and Andy Lally and Roger Carruth and, and Caesar, and we're pretty confident with the group that we got at Alpha Prime Racing with, with more to come. But there's a lot of names that are getting tossed around in a basket right now. We're going to see where they wind up. Yeah, there's a lot. To, I know there's a still few cup uh, openings. A lot of drivers that are currently in cup that don't know where they're going. Some drivers in Xfinity that don't know where they're going and maybe some drivers in the truck series looking for a, a call up or something like that, or openings in the truck series for somebody in Xfinity or cup to go down. I don't know. going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But one thing I wanted to, to ask you, I don't know, like if you can provide some insight here, why I just look at, you know, cause the, the start times were released in the channels for this, for this year or next year. And I look at like Kansas, Atlanta, in Richmond and the total of six races, two re- two two races each for each track, and they're all day races. Like why 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 can't one of them be night? Like I'm just yeah, I'm just look, like why you're talking to a person here that's going to be pro night races in the summer every yeah. time. Yeah, um, it is better for the crews. It's better for the fans. Um, the only people it's probably not better for is television, especially yeah. when it comes to those night races. RJ. 
the night race for the Cup Series is generally going to be run on a Saturday night, right? So if these television networks already have programming lined up for a Saturday night, well, now that's conflict. Maybe they're going to draw better in the summer on a Sunday afternoon race from a rating standpoint. One thing that was a positive to take away from this, more network television races. Oh, yeah. Which is good for the sport. Everybody at NASCAR, listen to me, even though my voice means nothing. The next television deal, the Cup Series, needs to exclusively be on major network television, the end. Don't do anything else. It is a non-starter. You can put the Bush Clash on FS1 or a lower network. You can put the All-Star Race on something else. But the 36 points races need to be run on either Fox or NBC or CBS or whoever it is that you're doing a deal with, major networks for the Cup Series, and then we need to split up the digital rights, which we have now seen happen so much in other sports, and sell those to a network that is going to really, really blow it up big. Not Peacock, not Fox Sports Go, no offense. But the numbers they're drawing are just so minuscule. Whereas we're seeing Thursday night football on Amazon Prime or whatever it is, whatever streaming platform you're watching that on, it's drawn a pretty big number and is able to be promoted to a streaming audience in a much better way. So I think there's options here. And we start talking about the value of that next television contract here, RJ, and how that might shift the power in the negotiations a little bit, right? So if we're starting clean on the slate here and they go, and NASCAR goes, look, digital rights 10 years ago, that wasn't shit. We just threw those in there like it was nothing. And now you networks are complaining and saying, well, you know, we're not drawing the same ratings. It's like nobody's drawing the same ratings that they were 10 years ago. Nobody's doing it, right? But yet we've seen the value of the football contract the basketball contract, college football, baseball, everybody's TV value goes up, even though the ratings are going down. That means it's more exclusive. It's tougher to find top shelf brand name sports live content. So NASCAR still has value there. I would not be surprised to see the total value of the television contract go up primarily focused on that splitting of the digital rights, which has now all of a sudden become a really valuable part of this whole package. We talk about an entertainment standpoint. And is that going to allow NASCAR from a competition side to have more of a focus on the at-track experience and like, hey, 1 p.m. start time, this is better for the fans that are there at the racetrack, right? We're doing that. It's going to be on network TV. Like basically they can lay down the law, but in the end, RJ, the big thing here is you're, it's a sales pitch. They're buying it. So if they're like, if I'm going to pay you $800 million, you're going to start the damn race when I want you to start the race. <laughs> so in the end, they're still the ones writing a check. NASCAR can dig their heels in and they're still going to get paid. But what are the fights that they're willing to have right now? I think the network's, 
kind of have NASCAR over a barrel a little bit when it comes to these start times. And I'm not disparaging anybody here, but the networks clearly feel like at the end of this television contract, which is the next two years. So these are the highest payouts that they have. (laughs) And they're looking at the ratings and they're going, not where we want them to be. So for us to get the value out of what we're paying you right now, we're changing these start times. And I think there was more pushback this year about that than years past. You can see a few of them get changed. A few of them have been changed. But overall, TV is still the one controlling this. They're still the ones paying the money to broadcast this. They're still the ones with the leverage because NASCAR is currently in negotiations with them for 2025 or 2024, whenever the next one starts, and they kind of want to be in their good graces as they go to the negotiating table. Now, now, yeah, I hope that NASCAR takes the reins back a little bit on that with their product and goes, look, if you don't pay me, somebody else is going to pay me. So we're going to start the damn race at one o'clock because that's who's better for all of the people buying tickets. It's better for my race teams. It's better for whatever. I think that's what needs to be done. And you just take what you can get from a money standpoint. But if we're talking about the difference here, RJ, of two, three, half a billion dollars even, I'd probably be like, you know what? Yeah, we can start the race two or three hours later. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's one thing that everyone's got to understand. There's a lot of factors going into that. And when you look at the schedule, uh, hopefully, and we just hope it all pays off in the end. You know, hopefully we see the results and a lot of the start times that we have work out. One thing that I was looking at, you mentioned the clash. I was like, the clash is on F Fox sports one. And I was like, which it usually has been, but I was wondering like, this is some like supposed to be like the huge event, you know, the big thing before the super bowl. Like we got all these celebrities coming out. It's going to be in the Coliseum. It's on Fox sports one, like no offense to Fox sports one, but. I thought that I thought that would be on the the big network, but that that's just that was just me. I didn't even realize that until just now. I was like, oh, Clash on FS1. That's and, weird. Re- and remember here, RJ, the way the networks look at this is we think this is going to draw a big number. Yeah. Now, strategically, we are going to place this on Fox Sports One because that's going to boost up Fox Sports One over the course of the year, right? Like if we put a few big events on Fox Sports One, then overall. FS1 looks better in the ratings and we can get more money from advertisers kind of like on average over the course of the year. Right. So they're going to strategically put a few of those events on FS1. I'm fine with the exhibition races being on there, but I agree with you. We're already seeing like hype up stuff. Yeah. For the clash. It's like, you know, the championship is like this weekend. right? (laughs) So maybe focus on that from an advertising standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is what it is. But yeah, like you said, we got the championship race this weekend, all three of them. Uh, we got the truck series Friday night, eight o'clock on FS1, Xfinity series Saturday night, uh, 8.30 on NBCSN, and then the cup series uh, on Sunday, big NBC, three o'clock p.m. Eastern this weekend. It's the last race for the Martins Motorsports banner. I know you guys posted an amazing video. Uh, if you haven't watched, uh, it's on Twitter. Go watch it on the Martin's Motorsports social. But it's the last week of the Martin's Motorsports banner next year. Uh, we all know it goes to Alpha Prime Racing. So I know you got a lot you're fighting for this weekend as far as top 20 driver points, owner points, but sure a lot to uh, remember of the years of, of the name Martin's Motorsports for sure. Yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a journey. 
Um, I can't say that it's always been a successful journey. Uh, we have we have failed probably more than we've succeeded um, as Martin's Motorsports, and uh, especially the last couple of years. I know that we are a small team, like I know that, but I still think I'm a lot like that kid in in 2014 where. I believed that I was going to go finish in the top 15 every week, even though I know that my team doesn't have that kind of a budget. I know that my team doesn't have that level of resources. And um, I don't know. I I guess you just dream it up in your head that you're going to, I don't care. I'll still make the playoffs anyway. And the fact that we haven't been able to do it, um, you know, I look at the things that we haven't done and it takes other people to remind me of the things that we have. Um, if you had told me we were only going to get one top 10 in two years, uh, I would say that'd be really disappointing. Um, now there've been a lot of factors that have kind of occurred to prevent you from, from doing more. Yeah, uh, there, there have been. Um, but overall to sit here going into, into Phoenix, um, with a chance, uh, at finishing in the top 20 in the owner's points, uh, even though it's a little bit of an outside shot. Um, I think it kind of proves, what we've been able to do as an organization in, in this last iteration of it. So I'm proud of that. And at the same time, a, as a person that just naturally focuses on the negative, I believe just as, as my curse, um, I look at all the things that, that I wish we had done more, but uh, it's really a testament to the hard work of a lot of people. Um, the, the, the work of the crew that we've had over the last few years, the work of the crews that we have had over 12 years of doing this all the way back to the truck series when we ran uh, a limited schedule there and, and how many people have touched a race car uh, that I've been able to drive uh, over those uh, years. So you, so you start thinking about a lot of that. You think about people like Ken Gilreath, A and adjusters, uh, David Hall, uh, Diamond Gusset, who've, um, been with me for so long and, and Ken who basically helped start this race team again last year, you know, helped us basically get to this type of position. Um, all the other partners that we brought in uh, over the course of a couple of years. So there, there's so many people to thank. I, if I started going down that list, this podcast would get tacked on another 25 minutes. So just know everybody that I'm thinking about you. Um, but the people that I specifically think about are Rodney Reeson, uh, our co-owner on the team and, and my dad and my mom. Uh, who have sacrificed so much over so many years uh, to give me an opportunity to to live a dream that so many people want to live. And, and I don't take that lightly. Um, I have dedicated every minute of my life <laughs> for the last uh, 10 years of my life, it feels like, to pursuing a dream um, that has changed over the course of time. Uh, and I've been able to do it. I've been very blessed to be able to do it. And now as I, as I look towards the future and how this thing is going to change, um, I'm, I'm both sad that Martin's Motorsports is ending and, uh, and, and excited about what we've got going on with Caesar and what we got going on with Alpha Prime Racing and, and, and seeing the excitement out of a kid like Raja, who's 19 years old, about to be 20 years old, and just has his whole career in front of him. Uh, and looks at at a guy like me, who admittedly has been a knockaround guy and a small timer, and says, "You know what? I can learn a lot from him, and and he's building a good program, and I see that, and and to trust us to do that, um, that to me, I guess, becomes the success of my team 
right, is, is really the, the respect uh, and kind of the, the way that everybody else in the garage talks about you. Um, because you knew that wins would be pretty, <laughs> would be pretty few and far between. Uh, the good days are a lot fewer than the, than the bad days when you're on a small team, right? You're just going to have more disappointments than you have successes. But at the end of time, you know, at the end of the day, uh, and I wrote this back in 2016 when I was doing a blog uh, then and, and kind of thought things were over uh, for Martin's Motorsports then. And here we are, like the, the zombie that comes back from the dead uh, with better success this time. Uh, but even back then, I wrote something uh, that somebody sent me where it said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not maybe the only thing that I'll have left at the end of this is the way other people is a respect to the other drivers in the garage, basically respect to team owners that I was a good driver and that I've been able to put something together. And that might be all I ever get, right. I might not get a championship trophy or a playoff appearance or a, you know, special moment or a win. Maybe I won't get that. I'm still going to race some next year. So, I mean, there's still opportunities for me, Um, but even if I don't get that, and I have to look back at the history of Martin's Motorsports. I think it's a lot more about my mom and my dad uh, kind of putting it all on the line um, time and time again, uh, believing in their kid, just believing that I, that my dumb ass could put together a, a business plan or, a, or some version of this that would work. And uh, after two failed attempts um, and a lot of money, uh, this third one, we actually managed to make it work. So I'm proud of that. Even if we didn't accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish, I'm, I'm proud of of finally being able to kind of put our stake in the ground and say, you know what, we were able to do it. Yeah, you did it. There's so many so many great storylines this weekend, including that final week, the final race for, for Martin's Motorsports as you guys step into a, a new thing for next year. So a lot of, a lot of action is going to go on. We know there's been a lot of drama across NASCAR, and that'll kind of lead us to our our final little segment here and we'll do our, our championship picks. We'll go across the trucks, Xfinity cup. Uh, we got the final four. We'll start with the truck series. That'll be Friday night. Uh, we can make our pick here. We got Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, John Hunter, who are you going with? Got to pick John Hunter. He's been so dominant all year long. It's going to be really surprising if John Hunter, doesn't come away with that trophy. Yeah, I'm going to go with John Hernemacek as well. I think it's so, such a dominant season. And the only guy that I would have seen knocking him off, Sheldon Creed, and he's not even in the Final Four. So I would have to go with uh, John Hernemacek there. So Here's my underdog there? pick. Here's my underdog pick. What do you think? It's Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes, ben Rhodes is going to be a Truck Series champion. Ben Rhodes is going to stay in the Truck Series for a long time. He's going to win multiple championships. And when that happens, generally – the first one happens a little earlier than you think. Yeah. Ben Rhodes has been a factor this year, won multiple races. Don't count Ben Rhodes out at Thor Sport up there. They know how to get it done oh, yeah. at these deals <laughs> with the championship on the line. They do. That could be a very uh, good underdog pick right there, Ben. And he's been a factor in so many races this year. He's kind of been the guy that's been running kind of right behind John Arnimacek most of the season. So he could be the one to do it. Then we'll move over to the Xfinity series, which we have Austin Sindrick, AJ Allmendinger, Noah Gregson, and Daniel Hammer. Who are you going from that selection? I'm going chalk again. I'm going to go uh, Austin Sindrick. I feel like he is just, I think he's the best driver. I think he's in the best car. 
and he did it last year, and I think he's going to do it again this year. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Austin Sendrick, I think it would be a perfect way to walk it off as well. We know he's leaving the Xfinity Series this year to go to the Cup Series, and I can't say time time again. I think he's just one of the best – um, you know, representations of like the progression that we've seen of a driver in the Xfinity series from when he came in driving the 60 at Roush or even the 19 for BKR to where he is now already won a championship going for his second one. It's been awesome to see like, you know, when you were noting on it earlier, what he did at Martinsville and not, you know, totally destroying Noah Gregson raced him clean. And it's just, you know, piling on top of, of each other, how great it's been to watch Austin Cindric in the Xfinity series sucks. He's going away to the cup series next year, but he's going to have some big shoes to fill in that two car. So I'd have to go uh, with Austin Cindric, but AJ Allmendinger will be interesting to watch too. Champion. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I feel like right there, the Xfinity series, there are legitimately all four of those guys can yeah, get it done. Can Every single it. one of them. And how fitting would it be for Daniel Hamrick? That would, who that would. we said at the beginning of the year, this is it. This is his chance. Yep. If he doesn't get it done this year, how's he going to get it done? Right. I mean, this is the, you're in the best car. We have seen what, uh, or one of the best cars. Um, You've seen what Ty Gibbs has been able to do winning races, Kyle Busch, other drivers come in here. Daniel Hemrick feels like he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And how fitting would it be? If he was able to get his first win in a championship race <laughs> Phoenix and walk it off with an Xfinity Series trophy, I think that would be a really popular win in the garage area. So I'm pulling for Daniel Hemrick. Uh, really, I'm pulling for all those guys. I mean, I understand how much is on the line. I mean, Noah Gragson, so much respect for him for what he was able to just do and in, in, in a must win and got it done. So I really think all four of those guys can absolutely win this thing this weekend. Yeah, it's really cool looking at kind of the dynamic of those four. Like, I feel like Austin Sindrick's a guy who's probably going to roll off well, might set the standard early. Almendinger, they kind of get their car together maybe after stage one. Hemrick is always hanging around. Could he pull it off at the end? And then we know what Noah Gregson could be capable of um, getting it done, walking it off just like he's done a few well, times. This, this is fast. so weird, RJ. Like, it's so weird. When we go to Phoenix, the tire that they have brought – um, the way that we have preferred lane and the restarts, we, they are applying resin to the track. Um, so it, that is going to be a factor in some way. The tires fell off pretty quickly last year um, at Phoenix. So I'm sure they're going to bring another soft compound again. It, bring a softer compound, give you an extra set of tires that allows for more strategy. If you're struggling, if you're like, yeah, we're not a factor tonight. You know, we're running ninth. Well, then you save a set of tires. You hope for a, a caution. You hope for to be able to do a Hail Mary um, there at the end of the race. So you're never safe. <laughs> you're, you're leading the race. You're dominating, and you're never safe. And it leaves you a lot of excitement when you're watching these things. Yep, exactly. And we'll go to the main event here, the Cup Series. We're going to crown a champion. We got the defending champion, Chase Elliott, trying to defend his crown. And then the challengers, Martin Truex Jr., He's won a championship before. And then you have Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin were the two that kind of set the standard this year in the regular season standings. They will be in that championship four as well. So out of those four, who are you going with? Got to pick Kyle Larson. Uh, so I'm picking the favorites. I'm going all favorites here. I mean, Kyle Larson is just having one of those years. He is having one of those years that is just the superstar breakout year. You have to give all credit to him. All credit to Hendrick Motorsports. He's I think he's probably the best driver in the world. Like when we start doing the driver 
in any discipline, in any type of racing you want to say, I will take Kyle Larson. I will put him up against anybody you want to put him up against. Max Verstappen, all credit to him, Lewis Hamilton, all those guys are Formula One, rally cross drivers, wherever you want to put him up. I'll take Kyle Larson. I'll throw him in the pile. And I like our chances. And I think Kyle Larson is going to be a NASCAR Cup Series champion, and this won't be the only one. No, it definitely won't be the only one. And I think Kyle Larson, I think this, I, I kind of think about it. This is NASCAR. This is the Cup Series playoffs. I think Kyle Larson will probably be the best car on Sunday. Um, but for some reason, some something in my mind thinks that something's going to happen because this is just what happens. And I feel like I'm going to easy. Go, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have to go with Denny Hamlin getting his first career NASCAR Cup Series championship this weekend. That would be my pick. I know Chase yeah, who, Elliott. Who wants it the most? There's no question. Oh, yeah. The driver of the 11 car wants it the most. Sure. This is a guy that understands legacy. He has spoken about his own legacy. He has spoken about his lack of winning a championship. He looks at his peers and he puts himself and he goes, you know what? I'm better than all these guys. I'm better than Kozlowski. I'm better than, uh, you know, Alex Bowman, who he called a hack. You know, I'm better than uh, Chase Elliott. I have one more than Chase Elliott. I- I've got Daytona 500 trophies in my closet. I've done everything. I've won the Southern 500. I've won everything there is to win. I don't have a championship. Yeah. And I think this is a goofy format and I think it's silly and it doesn't reward consistency. And I could have probably had two championships by now if we did it that way, but I haven't. And it's all sitting right here in front of me at Phoenix. And I think Denny Hammond looks at this. This is now, is he going to be the Buffalo Bills of NASCAR? Is he going to be the guy that got to the Super Bowl four times and didn't win, right? Now, the thing is, that's still an incredible accomplishment, just getting to the Super Bowl that many times. And we have seen time and time again in this format, RJ, I I think the way you're going to start looking at history in this kind of playoff era of NASCAR is just the guys that made it to the final four. How many final four appearances? Like That's going to be a grade. Denny Hamlin obviously grades out really well, but in the end, this is out of his own mouth, not mine. He looks at this like a failure for him to be able to go and get this championship. I know he is going to do anything that it takes to go get it. Yeah. And his legacy. I mean, this is like always been that missing thing. Cause you look at his resume, you look at all the crown jewels he's won. You look at the amazing point seasons he's had all the final fours he's been to. I mean, he was literally, I mean, he's literally right behind Kyle Larson in like the full season points. He's been that good. Just the wins hadn't been there. And yeah. now the championship hasn't been there. And Didn't he, he even is- looks at his teammates. He, he looks at yeah. Kyle Busch and goes, I'm better than you. He looks at Martin Truex Jr. And says, I'm better than you. Well, they both have a championship. Kyle Busch has two of them. And they're teammates, right? And, and so Denny Hamlin knows this. Now, I am not sitting here dissing Denny Hamlin. I think he is a truly elite-level driver. He is in the first group of anybody you want to mention at any discipline that we're going to go to. I mean, he even showed this year on a road course how he can be really, really fast. So Denny's there. He just knows this is the last thing to check off before he has no questions left to answer. There is there is nothing anybody can say to him on Twitter to rile him up <laughs> if he gets a championship to sit there and snap a picture of and a reply to anybody that's, that's coming to, to egg him on Twitter. 
Oh yeah. I think, I think he's for sure like the most motivated of anybody or maybe even the most motivated he's been in his career. Cause he knows what is at stake. So man, there's going to be a lot of line this weekend's championship weekend at Phoenix for the second year. Now we had it for the first year last year. It felt a little weird. I don't know if it'll feel more normal this year. Uh, Cause it really, it really felt weird last year. I didn't like, it's like, we finished up the race. Like, all right, now it's time for Homestead. And, no, the season was yeah. over. So <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah, this is it. So this is it until they and then we roll into the LA Coliseum down in uh, whenever down in February. So yep. that's it. Final weekend. Final weekend for your guys' team. And uh, anything else you want to add to this final show of the year? Just want to go out strong with a forty-four car. Um, it's uh, it was so disappointing last week. Uh, at Martinsville kind of was over before we ever got started. Uh, I know it is a real bummer uh, for all the guys in the shop who have worked so hard all year to have a mechanical failure be the reason that you kind of stub your toe with a week to go. And, and the way that Martinsville race played out and, and knowing that we would have been a factor for a top 10 there at the end of it, um, even doubly frustrating. So just want to go out in things, uh, in things the right way with Martins Motorsports and things on a positive note, um, leave the racetrack with our head held high uh, and, and looking toward uh, better things. Yep, exactly. So a lot to look forward to this weekend. Can't wait to see you guys out on track. And that top, that top 20 battle, make sure to keep track of it, everybody. It's 11 point gap, 11 points back of, uh, and by the way, six here, just to let everybody know, right before we leave Parker Kligerman, NBC texted me and said, Hey, how much money's on the line for you guys in the top 20? And I told him, which I can go ahead and tell everybody here on the podcast, 20th place is around $75,000 on both sides of the bonus. So there's a driver points bonus. There's an owner points bonus. So yep. finishing in the top 20, about it's roughly 75, 70 to 75 grand. Um, so there is a lot of money on the line to finish it in both. Things. I mean, if we finished in the top 20 on both, it'd be 150 grand to our team. That's off-season money. That helps us get through the winter, right? Uh, but Parker Kligerman asked me this and said, I have brought it up to the producers. I have brought it up to the directors. I brought it up to everyone. We are going to talk about this. We have been looking for good ways to talk about this. We know it's interesting. We think it's cool. We are going to bring this up. Um, and I was like, awesome. So, I don't want to hype everybody up too much <laughs> because I get there is a championship on the line, everybody. So as that story changes at the front of the field, of course, that is where the broadcast should focus. I'm not saying it should be on me battling for 20th. All right. I get it. At the same time, there's going to be some times in the race that we could definitely work this in. And I can tell you that Brett Moffat, myself, Alex LeBay, uh, Landon Castle, Blaine Perkins, all of us are going to be very motivated going into this weekend, knowing what we got to do uh, to try to get the money for our teams. That's awesome. That's exactly what we need. So shout out to, to PK Parker Kligerman for uh, getting that out. That's what we need. We Who's need driven for small teams and gets it. Yeah, exactly. He gets it. So that's why that's a great, another great thing of having him at, at NBC. So he's a great driver and a great reporter. So he just, he does everything and he does iRacing too in, in virtual yeah, stuff. And he ran top 20 in a cup race. Yeah, and, exactly. and he's, he's just doing everything. Yeah. He Man does of everything. many talents. 
he does everything. <laughs> so that's really cool. So hopefully we'll see that on the broadcast this weekend. But if not, make sure you can, uh, if you listen to this podcast, try and pay attention to it during the week. It'll give you give you an extra thing to watch there in the scoring pylon. So uh, but that'll be it for this uh, this week's episode. And this is it for the 2021 season in the books. Felt like it's went by pretty quickly, uh, but we still got no one more race to go it was it was uh captured as the best season ever by fox at the beginning of the year and it's already over it's been a while there's been a lot of things that have happened this year and we're already <laughs> getting prepared for 2022 so uh you gotta uh, get ready for award season here we can do an yep. awards uh ceremony here at the end of the year uh for each one of the series uh rj i've already kind of got a notebook out so everybody be on the lookout for that you know we we tend to get a little quiet over the course of the winter um, we'll still have those pods, maybe not quite as often as we do it every week here during the season, uh, but definitely some things to look forward to here on the pod and, and appreciate all of you guys and girls listening to us uh, over the course of the year. It, it means so much to me and RJ uh, putting this thing on every week. Yeah, it's been uh, it's just been over a year since we started. I believe this will be officially like the 53rd episode. So officially a year's worth uh, of week's podcast coming out uh, after this one and fitting we're finishing out the 2021 season with it so yeah we'll see what the off season brings i know we'll try to get some uh, great guests on here to kind of just have some conversations and there will be a lot of interesting stuff to catch up on uh during the off season as well absolutely you know that silly season is oh, yeah. just it's just heating, up. just heating up so there will still be plenty to talk about in the coming weeks and over yeah. the holidays just getting out. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for bet online. Thanks to believe podcast network. Thanks to everybody that helps get this put together and we will see you all next week after championship weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.